It is week 11 of the 2023 college football season. This is the We Hate Your Team podcast, a proud member of the VSN Collegiate Network. I'm Kelly Ford, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Zach King. Kinger, how are we doing this week? Doing great, Kelly. Week is flying by as we are now into week 11, day two of action, some action going on as we speak. But excited about this slate this weekend. Only a few opportunities left for us to enjoy your college football Saturdays. Congrats on the new gear, Kelly. I saw that drop today. Looking forward to getting myself some of that. But really particularly excited this weekend. Some good conference matchups. And me, Purdue's got an opportunity to win a football game for the first time in a month versus Minnesota this weekend. So some little bit extra excitement on my end. But as you know, as every Saturday is, we've got some awesome matchups this weekend, and I look forward to breaking them down. Yeah, King, absolutely. It's been fun getting that merchandise out there. Um, we've, we've had some selling here in the first, you know, 24, 48 hours that it's been out. I've been surprised, not surprised by that. I've been excited by that, and uh, and it's been cool to see for sure. So appreciate that. And yes, week 11 is jam-packed, King. We have all sorts of big matchups. We're going to dive into four of those as we always do. We're going to pick the ESPN Pick'em competition as we always do. We're going to get some best bets as we always do. And King, also as we always do, we are joined by a great guest this week. He's someone who, honestly, King, I, we tried to have on last year. Couldn't make it work with scheduling just when we record and his very busy schedule. So he's someone that we had circled for this year. And I'm very glad we were able to get him here coming into week 11. A huge, huge game uh, involving a team that he is very close to and enjoys watching a great deal. He uh, describes himself as grinding every day on better predictive analytics for football. He does have a Stanford PhD. I am talking about Ed Fang. You probably know him on X as The Power Rank. Ed, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. As I mentioned, Ed, we are so excited to have you. You're someone we wanted to have on for so long. So this is a perfect week to have you on. We're very, very excited. Ed, I know your story. Zach knows a little bit about your story. But for our listeners who may not know, who is Ed Fang? How did you get started in this space? Why did you want to start working on college football predictive analytics? Talk to us about your March Madness, because I know you've got a model that you use there to try to identify how can you optimize your chances to win your March Madness pool. Just tell our listeners all about yourself, and the floor is yours, man. Just take it away. Thanks. Yeah, I never thought I'd be working in sports. I always loved it, but I was on the academic track. Like you mentioned, I got my PhD and was working in theoretical physics and applied math and was actually kind of humming along in my academic career. I had this really nice fellowship uh, at, at Berkeley and then things started to fall apart. And there was a guy supposed to be my advisor, supposed to be helping him out and got into a fight. And, you know, when you tell someone like that to go have sex with themselves, it doesn't really work out the best for your career. So that was kind of the beginning of the end of, of kind of my uh, academic career. And, you know, I kind of hung on for a spot here or there, but I kind of knew it was the end. Like I wasn't going to be that guy like writing papers and so on and so forth. Fortunately, like I did have a pretty good skill set with the applied math. And as I mentioned, I've always been a sports fan. And one day I just started thinking about how to combine those. And uh, a big inspiration was uh, Google's page rank algorithm. It is something that uses Markov chains in order to assess the importance of websites back then. So this is, you know, early 2000s is when they really made that work. And I started looking into that and and it was all the same math as, as what I had done in my research career. So I started thinking about how to apply that to sports teams 
And in particular, how to not just work with wins and losses, but to incorporate margin of victory. And so the first version of what I did with the power rank was, uh, I think it was NFL. I scraped some NFL data. NFL is always easier than college football, right? Because just have 32 teams, the data is a little bit easier. So I scraped some final scores, took margin of victory, adjusted for strength of schedule, and sent out an email to some friends. And enough of them decided that they liked it. They thought it was interesting. Back then, I think it was like 2008. So it was a much different landscape in terms of sports betting. But people thought it was interesting. It was like, hey, you know, you can predict uh, the outcome of sporting events. So that started going well. And then later that season, I started thinking about college football. And with college football, it makes a lot of sense to adjust for strength of schedule. It's obviously a lot different if you have an SEC schedule versus a Sunbelt schedule. And the math that I developed makes a lot of sense for, you know, how to account for those teams. And uh, so I applied it to college football and it was one of those Mike Leach teams that was, I think they were like eight and four, but uh, had a couple close losses. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, kind of one of those teams that's like zero and four in one score games, but has a huge barn of vi victory in other games. And they were showing up a lot higher than they were in, in the public polls. And yeah, so I thought it was super interesting. I think people people started giving me some pretty good feedback. And then I actually think it was the next year. I mean, I was still working a full-time job and March Madness came about. Uh, I bring this up because you asked about it. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't really going to do college basketball. Ken Pomeroy existed. I was like, why do I need to do this? Like, you know, he's doing a really good job with it. I think I had spent the last couple of years using his numbers to fill out my pool. Right. So just going through his ratings, filling out the top, the higher ranked team, uh, which is still something I recommend doing. I mean, I'd rather you use my numbers, but, you know, Ken's Ken's numbers are just fine. Uh, picking chalk is, is actually a pretty good way to go in terms of uh, doing pretty well in your pool. There's obviously some other tips there as well. Anyways, that first March Madness. Uh, uh, well, I wasn't going to do it. And one of my friends who was advising me was like, you have to do it. There's so much attention with March Madness. And he was completely right. Uh, it's still a big part of my business. Uh, the majority of my business at the power rank is football. Uh, this is definitely the most important, busiest time. But having those four days in March to say, hey, look, I can do some analytics, you know, come check out what I do has actually been pretty critical for my business. So that all started with that first year. And then things just kind of slowly evolved, was able to quit my job, uh, work on this full time. I run the site called the power rank. And over the past decade, it has progressively gotten more into uh, betting, which makes a lot of sense as the laws have changed. Honestly, about five years ago, like I was an analytics guy and kind of thought about betting. Obviously, knew that was an application. Like right now, you know, I, I would say that like I'm the guy. Like what I do best is build models for betting purposes. The algorithm I told you about that adjusts for strength to schedule, that's still a key part of that. And we'll talk about that. Actually, we'll talk about that a lot today. It actually really matters in one of the games that we're going to talk about. But now I also develop models for betting on props and NFL and uh, even some baseball, maybe some basketball. So um, things always change. And I, I love my job because it changes every year and the, the challenges and the things I work on and my schedule kind of changes every year. So there's always an adjustment, keeps things interesting. And really grateful to, to be doing this. 
That's awesome, Ed. It's so fascinating to hear how things have changed for you, how it's evolved, your process, how, you, how you've kind of molded and, and shaped your purpose and what you're applying your skills to as the world around you has changed. And now it's, it's more of a betting focus as the laws have changed, as you mentioned. Ed, one of the... When I was starting out, you know, with the K Ford ratings, of course, Bill Connolly, Brian Fromo, those are the two that I tried to model my own stuff after the most. But it didn't take me long, you know, really digging in and saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to give it a go and see what I can do in this space with my own numbers instead of just, you know, using SP Plus, using FEI to kind of view college football through that lens. Like, let's see what K Ford can come up with here. It didn't take me long of Googling and, and digging into that space to find the power rank and your numbers and all of those things. So you're definitely someone that I have kind of been watching and keeping like keeping tabs on, trying to keep up with the best I can for many years now. What has been, Ed, the, the thing for you that you have found most enjoyable or surprising as you've started to now growing it into your full-time business and all that? Like, what have you enjoyed the most throughout that whole process of growing the business to the point that it is now? And what advice would you have? I'm asking somewhat selfishly for myself, but also we have listeners who are interested in this too. What advice would you have for those who are trying their hand at this themselves? Like what pitfalls would you try to avoid that you fell into because you didn't know better or you just had to go through it to learn it? Like what advice would you give to people starting out? Yeah, I think those are two really good questions. You know, I think in terms of what gives me, uh, you know, what I enjoy the most, uh, kind of selfishly, I want to say I get to watch football on weekends and can just kind of tell my wife that it's my job. And that's certainly a great aspect of it. But I think as I've evolved over the decade, like I really, uh, you know, the best part is just giving back to people who follow me. So this could be people who pay me on the site and become members of the power rank. And, and I really try to give them the best possible service and try to evolve with, with what they want. It can be people that sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I actually really think I, I really kind of consider it my mission to uh, get out five nuggets Saturday, in my newsletter. I am shamelessly plugging that right now, even though you didn't ask. Absolutely. Me to, but, uh, you know, like it, it has become, like I mentioned, like five years ago, I didn't really think much about betting. And now like, like my goal is like, I want you to have some action, right? If you sign up for my newsletter, I want you to have something to bet on that weekend. And basically for 51 weeks out of the year, uh, I, I, that, that has been how that has evolved over the past year. And it, uh, Edward Egros, who someone else you guys had on earlier this year, just mm -hmm. awesome, awesome dude, awesome analyst. Uh, he helped me start that. And then he was not able to kind of continue on with it about a year ago. And uh, because of some of the responsibilities that he did, um, that he had. And, you know, you could kind of, I, I guess one way to think about it was like, oh, you could kind of be like, oh, I got to do this work now. But I, I've actually really enjoyed it. Like, it's kind of a pain because it makes Friday nights and Saturday mornings pretty busy. But uh, I, I, just try to enjoy giving back and and part of it is kind of nice too because you can see that people do engage in it people you know send you stuff on twitter you can see the open rates and and that's that's pretty nice you also ask about like pitfalls one thing i would not recommend is doing what i'm doing trying to talk to you about college football at a very high level trying to talk to someone else tomorrow at a very high level on nfl um trying to do too much is definitely not really the way to go um i i don't know it's just kind of how i've evolved and it's how i've chosen to do things this fall if i were to do it again i would try to like focus uh on one thing and just be particularly good at that and, and i think bill Connolly, you guys had him on last week 
Bill is the best in college football. You can ask him anything. Like you could probably just walk him up up to him on the street, ask him something about New Mexico State, and he's going to give you a five minute answer that is the most intelligent thing you're going to get from anyone on this planet. And it, just that depth of knowledge, um, you know, I've had him out every year in August on my podcast, and I'm just always blown away with just kind of the depth of knowledge and and uh, how good it takes are and just. You know, he obviously does other stuff, too. He's got a lot of soccer and tennis stuff going on with his job at ESPN. But uh, the depth of which he does college football is is uh, is something that I think if you're trying to get into this field, like th- that would be something to strive for. Like really be an expert at one thing and don't get to, you know, don't try to do everything. That is great advice and something that I need to keep in mind as folks keep pressuring me to get into the college basketball space. And I say, you know, I want to have an interest all that, but time is certainly something. And yeah, if you can focus on one thing and really put your resources there, um, I agree with you. That is certainly a way to excel. Uh, Ed, yeah, you mentioned it. Um, Please feel free as we're going here, plug everything you want to. We'll ask you to do that at the end as well. But you mentioned you have Bill on the Football Analytics Show, your podcast that you do every single August. I always check out those episodes. I listen to as many uh, analytics show um, podcasts as I can. The ones with Bill certainly are must listen as well. So for those listening that aren't familiar with Ed's work. Again, you can find him on Twitter X now at the power rank. You can find his podcast. He got it on the website and all that, but the podcast, the football analytics show, he always has on great guests. He's always going in depth on very fascinating topics. If you like football, if you like analytics, you've got to check out Ed's content over there. But King, he talked talk a lot about betting and I know that's more your wheelhouse, your, your interest area. I'm sure you've got some, some questions here for Ed. Yeah, I got a couple questions. And Ed, I just want to give you a compliment. The first time that I looked at your Twitter or X profile, I saw in there that you, in your bio, you're saying almost humble enough not to admit that you got a PhD from Stanford. Very Andy Bernard and Cornell-esque from The Office. I got a good laugh out of that. That's very clever. But my first question is specifically around the, the betting advice and the betting picks that you give out. When you're going through this, your process is your process 100% math and analytics based, or do you have any sort of additional insight or information that you look for when giving out picks yeah i i I don't think it depends on what you're betting in college football college football sides uh, i would not take anyone's numbers and try to just go bet them we'll see some examples later today i i really do think you need to do some handicapping you need to understand what's going on with the teams you need to research information basic information about injuries right i mean you don't want to see that three guys are hurt on the defensive line and things like that. Um, I think numbers are a crucial part of what you should be doing. It gives you an objective baseline for what to think about this game. But I highly recommend in um, I highly recommend in 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 a sport, sorry, in a market as hard as college football sides. And I and I really do believe personally that college football sides is one of the hardest markets to beat. People will disagree with me this with this. I think it's an incredibly hard market to beat. So you want to bring every tool in your toolbox um, to bear there. That's probably not true for every market. Uh, I've had a lot of success with uh, NFL interception props this year. That's mostly model driven. Uh, I had pretty good success betting baseball strikeout props, which was like, I don't even want to call it model driven. Like it was like looking on fan graphs and kind of poking around. Um, It was Actually, I don't know. I don't want to. I, I don't remember the sample size. It, it wasn't like 10. It was more like 30 or 40 or maybe even 60 bets. Uh, but that was a fun thing to do. And, and so, like, if you're thinking about, like, props, I think it can be 
You know, I think there are props out there that you could probably build a simple model and just hammer it um, without doing too much handicapping on that. You know, even there, I, I think there is, uh, I, I think there is value in kind of doing some handicapping. So for example, with the baseball strikeout props, like if it's suggested value on a pitcher, like I would go and like read up on that pitcher, right? Is this guy young, uh, high draft pick, someone with a lot, you know, that has a potentially good stuff uh probably someone that's going to strike out more people if he if he's made it to the major leagues if he's 32 like uh never a high prospect just someone that was able to make it at the mlb level you know i'm more likely to, to like an under on a strikeout prop there so I, I i do think um i think there's some things that can be beaten with mostly models but but there's a fun in handicapping right we all like sports right. like we all want to get into it and and i think the balance of that really depends on the market and how difficult it is you know and that's a very interesting answer and i'm always curious to hear how guys like you who have been successful in this industry for as long as you have how you approach that because i've come from a my viewpoint on this has changed quite substantially here over the last couple of years. When I started gambling back in like 2015, 2016, I was using pretty basically no math, no analytics at all, no models. I mean, Kelly is, is and our guests have ultimately changed my mindset. And, and now I'm looking at all that, right? I'm still looking at all these exterior factors. And, and I think that finding that happy medium is what everybody's striving to do because there is room for both in this game in, in, in the gambling industry. And so I was, it's just very curious. And I think the way you described it was very eloquent there. So my second and final question, and just cause I'm curious, I'm also an extreme huge college basketball nut. I love my Purdue Boilermakers football, basketball doesn't matter. How much of a difference is it or how much is, is there a major difference between handicapping college football versus college basketball? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think it's different, right? Like there are different sports and, I played basketball, so I feel way more comfortable evaluating basketball talent than I ever will with football. I do right. football because that's the biggest betting market. That's the biggest media attention. That's how I grew my business. And I do love football at a sport, as a sport, but I will never understand it in a way that I can understand basketball. So I okay. think there definitely are sports-specific things there. Um, what would you say the biggest factor or X factor is in, in, in looking at a college basketball game versus a college football game? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I certainly, the X factor, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, college basketball is certainly more beatable. Um, You're talking like, I'm, 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 my guess would be is, is that home home court advantage in college basketball gives a little bit more of a bump to a team than versus home in college football. That's that's just my outside opinion assumption on that. No idea if it's true or not. Yeah. Uh, so the home court, home advantage is definitely decreasing in both sports. Um, so you kind of got to follow that. I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm under three points for home advantage in college basketball. That's a calculation that uses the mostly conference games. It's probably a little bit more in out of conference games. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm thinking like I, I handicap football more than I handicap basketball. So I don't know. I mean, I would say in a lot of ways they're the same because, you know, when I'm when I'm handicapping football, I, I want to understand like like the floor and ceiling of teams. Right. Like I want to understand, can this team be potentially great? I think we'll talk about that a little bit later with with Penn State's offense. Like, uh, you know, what is the floor? What is the ceiling? You know, can this team really excel here or is it? Uh... Yeah. So those types of things, I think, you know, I think those ideas, uh, I think the handicapping process in general for me kind of applies to both sports obviously it's a little bit different because you have to apply it to the different sports um 
I think the same idea of like, you know, understanding what's predictive and what's random is, is also really important. Um, you know, three point shooting in college basketball tends to be pretty random. And I think most people are on to that. Um, but, you know, things like fumble recoveries in football are also pretty random. So, you know, making sure you you understand that. I think the events are different in both sports, but the idea is the same. Um, so I, I guess I would say, like, in general, like, I think I think the sports are there, there's similarities more than I think that there's differences. And the differences are mostly just because of the differences in sports. Oh, I love it. Ed, that's so insightful. And uh, I could sit here and talk to you. Uh, now Now I want to go down the college basketball road as I'm getting that pressure from people right now to start doing that. And listen, I, there's no way. I just, from a process and, and capacity standpoint, I just can't do it until the basketball season or still the football season's over at, at least. But I could talk to you basketball now for 30 minutes. I know I could talk to you football for more than that. But you said something in your answer, uh, the upside, the ceiling. And you mentioned the Penn State offense in particular. I now have this itch. Like, I, I, we got to get into this game. Uh, it's a game that I've been very excited about. And uh, I can't wait to discuss it. Before we do, though, um, we are in November. It is primetime college football season. We've got rivalry games left and right. The, the weather has turned cold for most of the country. We've got snow in the forecast. Um, it's that time of year. We got to bundle up. We got to get some new gear. Uh, Christmas is coming up. The holiday season's coming up. You've got people in your life, your friends, your family who like various college teams. They're looking for new gear. King, if you are someone who is looking to make a purchase in this area and you've got to get it and you've got to get it quick, where should you be going, do you think? We can absolutely help them out with that, Kelly. Everybody needs to go check out Homefield Apparel. That's premium vintage college apparel. We've been running this promotion all year long. 15% off to first-time buyers using code Variety Sports. They've got some sick gear, some sick retro gear that just dropped in the last couple of weeks. Some old-school snapbacks, T-shirts, bomber jackets. They've got a whole line of great stuff. Fantastic opportunity for everybody to go get your gear one last time before the season ends. And hey, even start looking ahead to the holiday season. This is a great chance to grab some gifts for the family members. Everybody go check out Homefield, a great sponsor of the Variety Sports Network. Absolutely, King. And once you've gotten your uh, team-specific gear, hop on over to k4ratings.com. Get your K4 rating merchandise, huh, King? I'm going to start throwing that in the ad read now that we have that going. How about it? I think K4 merchandise should be considered an official <laughs> pod or sponsor of the We Hate Your Team podcast at this point. So add them in there. Huh? How's that money work transition-wise? Do I just hand that to you? I don't know. we got to figure that part out, I guess. Cash but, on the side. That's the only way I accept cash these on days. The side. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, hey, Ed, we're going to get into the feature games here. The way we do this is we have our guests pick a game every single week. Zach picks a game every single week. I pick a game every single week. We add those to the card. Then we go out on a Twitter poll and say, hey, fans, here are and listeners. Here are the games we're talking about this week that we're diving into. Here's a set of games that uh, we, we think are worthy of consideration. You guys pick one for us, and that's what rounds out our feature game list. We always start with the guest, Ed, uh, because that's my favorite part of this show is the conversation with the guests and then hearing the guests' insight. I always love King's insights. I know my own insights. I like hearing from the guests every single week. We're going to start with you, and we are starting with a doozy, Ed. We have the Michigan Wolverines currently ranked number three in the latest CFP committee rankings going on the road for what, I mean, has to be said is really their first major test of the season. It's coming in happy Valley. They're going to number 10 Penn state. Ed, what does the power rank think of this massive game in the big 10 East? Well, I mean, you guys are, uh, you guys are uh, not too high on your alma mater, Purdue. And part of the story <laughs> I'm going to tell here is that I that I think uh, I think strength of schedule adjustments really matter here, 
And before the beginning of the season, if I told you that Michigan would be 9-0 heading into this game, would you be surprised? No, I would not. Not at all. And that's because for the second straight year, they refuse to play anyone out of conference. And the Big Ten West is, you know, not the best division in, in football this year. But it's actually different. That was a nice way of sugarcoating it, Ed. I was about to say some good things about Purdue, so let me, let me, let me keep rolling here. Um, but that weakness and strength of schedule actually manifests itself differently from Michigan's offense, Michigan's defense. So, so Michigan's defense uh, has uh, – so everything I'm going to talk about today, uh, I trust mostly success rate. So for an offense, a play is a success if the offense gets 50% of the yards – towards that next first down on first down. It's a success if they get 70% of those necessary yards on second down. And then obviously you need all those yards on third and fourth down. Success rate is a, a very predictive metric. Uh, I've done a lot of the work in the NFL that shows passing success rate is, is the most predictive thing that you can find, especially on offense. Bill Connolly's done a lot of the work in college football. So everything I'll talk about today is in terms of success rate and I guess you just have to trust me that 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 has worked. Um, I, I can vouch for it too, Ed. Success okay, rate's a cool. huge part of the tape board ratings as well. So yes, Perfect. anyone listening, success rate very very important, very very predictive. So Michigan's defense and Penn State's defense have the best raw success rates in all of college football. Um, but Michigan's defense hasn't faced anyone. The best offense they have faced uh, was Purdue last week. So Purdue comes in 56th in on offense and my adjusted success rate. Um, and, and this is like looking at, you know, it adjusts for the offenses that you played and then it goes through back to the defense that they played, so on and so forth. When Michigan's defense gets adjusted, uh, they go from, you know, whatever tied for first to 16th in the nation. That's a massive drop from 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 being first. And that's because they haven't played any significant offenses. You know, you talk about like Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, what's that other, there's another team in the West that anyways, like those teams are all like in the hundreds, right? They, they really haven't faced, um, they, they haven't faced too many offenses that uh, to note. It's, it's a little bit different for Penn state. Uh, clearly they've, they faced Ohio state, which is pretty good offense. Uh, my numbers have West Virginia rated pretty well as well uh first game of the year so when their defense get it adjusted it gets adjusted down a little bit um because you know they did play iowa but it gets adjusted to fourth so my numbers have michigan significantly better uh wor significantly worse than penn state because of these schedule adjustments even though the raw numbers look similar on offense is actually kind of a different story for michigan because some of those big 10 west defenses are are pretty good uh, they had a really good performance against Nebraska. Nebraska's defense is a top 25 unit. Uh, Minnesota's defense is, is not bad. Uh, Purdue's defense is, is not bad in my adjusted success rate. So Michigan has the fourth best raw success rate in the nation. After the schedule adjustments, they're still fourth. I actually really believe in the Michigan offense. J.J. McCarthy is in the Heisman race for a reason. He's had a really good season. Honestly, I thought... Uh, he had his worst game of the season last week against Purdue. I don't know what the heck he was doing on some of these throws, but uh, overall it still came out pretty good. I think Michigan came into the season with a lot of questions at receivers. Um, no one I particularly trusted there. And Roman Wilson has really come through. He is getting 3.2 yards per route run. 
anything over three in the college level is, is pretty good. Something to take note of. I think he's really good. Colson Loveland, the tight end is also a huge threat. So, you know, kind of in my mind and through my numbers in my head, like I believe in Michigan's offense. I don't believe, I, I think Michigan's defense still needs to prove themselves. Um, can they do it? Sure. But they, they face a Penn state offense. That is, uh, we have some question marks about them. Drew Alar was clearly terrible against Ohio State. I think that was an outlier. I don't think he's that bad. I don't think he can possibly be that bad. And so I, I do think like they have some potential. And Penn State's a team that's been more successful in terms. They've been better in success rate on their offense than in yards per play. Uh, you know, for example, Nicholas Singleton's uh, yards per carry were way higher last year than they are this year. And um so I, I think it's an offense that has a higher ceiling than probably most people are giving it credit for. Could they have a really breakout game against Michigan's defense? I think that's in the realm of possibility. Um, I think Michigan also scores a lot of points. You know, my numbers have Michigan by about five. I, I, I do think they should be favored. I think the market's on, uh, on point there. But I, I do see some points in this game, and I'm looking to see how it all plays out. I love that. I can't wait to uh, come back to some of those points here. But, King, I'm coming to you first. What do you think of just this absolutely massive game in the Big Ten East and the Big Ten title race? Yeah, Kelly, we had a conversation on this on a side episode earlier this year, and I still see that you got Michigan all the way down at number nine in your most deserving rankings. And, man, I'm going to tell you, I'm still not on board with that. And I'm still – we went over why the model doesn't like Michigan and the strength of schedule is obviously a big part of that. But I still look at this Michigan team, and they are just simply, in my opinion, dominating just about everybody they're playing. They're number one in Big Ten in scoring offense, number one in Big Ten in scoring defense. They have an average margin of victory of 34 points. I don't think there's a whole lot differently that this Michigan team could have done against this schedule thus far to really show that they are a very quality football team. And they're going to get that opportunity this weekend in a really tough road environment. Now, this Penn State defense, they seem to be surging a little bit. They've played very well all year. They shut down Maryland, holding them to only 49 yards rushing last weekend. So they now hold the number one ranked rushing defense in the country, and they have not allowed a 100-yard rusher in eight consecutive games, which is also the longest streak in the country. So that's strength versus strength here this week because we know Michigan's great at grinding down. They know that they're very good at running the football, over four and a half yards per carry, fifth in the nation with 25 rushing touchdowns. The Wolverines are very good at staying on schedule, and they've been excellent at doing that thus far this year. Pressure for Penn State this week on that D-line has been a strength for them this year, and they're going to absolutely need that this week. They can neutralize that run game, make J.J. McCarthy beat you through the air. He's been really good. He did struggle a little bit versus Purdue last week. And, Ed, you mentioned Roman Wilson. I do think he's a quality player, but I still think as a whole this Michigan receiving core still could be better. I still think there's ways for them to improve. J.J. is going to have to play a good game on the road this week if they want to win this one. Penn State secondary is playing well, though, right? So this is the best. Overall, I think this is the best unit equipped to handle this Michigan offense this season. Michigan has been able to play bully style ball, rely on those chunk yardage plays late, you know, to pick in their times to take their shots. And I think Penn State's defense should be able to give them a fight this week. And you said it as well. The Penn State's going to have to get a better game from Drew Aller than it did versus Ohio State. They really struggled to run the ball in that one, which put a lot more pressure on this one. But they bounced back in that run game these last couple weeks. It's a physical front for Michigan. They still have a top 10 rushing defense, only allowing three yards per carry. But the ground game is going to be critical for Penn State this week. I do think they are going to have to get something going with Nick Singleton in that run game. They don't really have the, the, the talented wide receiver threats to rely 
on versus this very good Michigan secondary. So ultimately, I like Penn State and the points in this one. I haven't bet it yet, but I am leaning this to be a three-point game one way or another. I think the home environment is going to be a big boost for the Nittany Lions this week. And I think Penn State's defense is good enough to slow down Michigan and keep a minute. So I am leaning betting Penn State in this one, if I'm being honest. This game, guys, for me, has a 9.9 watchability score. Uh, using my current power ratings, there are only three regular season games all year that grade out as a 9.9 out of 10. That would be Penn State at Ohio State. We've already seen that one. This game here, Michigan at Penn State, and the only game that has a higher rounded watchability score than this one is Ohio State at Michigan in Week 13. So it's the Big Ten East round robin here that scores the highest on the watchability. I have written and talked about extensively why I don't believe Michigan deserves to be ranked where they are. King, the most deserving rankings you reference, where I have Michigan number nine, that's the resume. And and as Ed talked about, you know, the teams that they face and the offense, the defense, all that is baked into that. Michigan has an opportunity this weekend to greatly improve that resume. And if they are successful and get a win here in Happy Valley, they will shoot up those most deserving rankings uh, without a doubt. But King, I also agree with the point you made, and the model's in agreement now too. King, when we had that mini episode, you know, back at the beginning of the season, I think Michigan had fallen to as low as number thirteen or fourteen in the power ratings. I wasn't the model wasn't impressed with what it had seen by Michigan. It's very impressed now. This is the third consecutive week. Michigan is number one in both my power ratings. So that is, you know, just looking straight forward. Who's the best team on a neutral field? Michigan is going to be favored over anybody by my numbers. But more importantly, and this goes to what Ed was talking about too. They're number one in my relative scoring margin metric for the third straight week as well. The Wolverines are outscoring their opponents by 15.3 points per game more than would be expected of the average top 25 FBS team against Michigan's schedule. So I really don't care in, in this metric that Michigan hasn't played anybody. The fact that they are just dominating the teams they're playing by even more than we would expect the average top 25 team to, and they're doing it at a higher level than anybody's doing against their schedule, regardless of the difficulty of that schedule, Michigan is absolutely destroying its opponents by much more than we would expect the average top 25 to do, team two to do. This Michigan team is flying. They are very good on both sides of the ball. In the preseason, I projected the Wolverines to have the number three defense and the number eight offense. Now, that defense, Ed, I, I'm actually a little bit on the other side of you. That defense for me is number one in the nation. They spent nearly half the season leading the country on that side of the ball. And the offense is number five for me for the third straight week. So I would say that the, my model, my numbers are, are sold on both of these, even though we haven't seen a big test for that Michigan defense yet. I would agree with Ed that the offense has been tested, certainly more playing some of those Big Ten West opponents. Um, this is a robust and balanced football team. The If the Wolverines continue playing at this level against their upcoming opponents, which are going to be their most difficult of the year, they will put themselves in a position to finish number one in my power ratings for the first time since 1964, guys. That is the last time Michigan ended season number one in my historical K-4 power ratings. This is a very good Michigan football team, very good by anybody's standards, but Michigan is certainly uh, playing at a very high level right now. With a power rank or power rating rank of number four, Penn State is Michigan's most formidable opponent so far this season. It's really not that close. Ed talked about this too. The Wolverines' next highest power rated opponent to date for me in my numbers is right now number 45 Rutgers at home. 
So not only is Penn State a much more difficult team, much more talented team, this game's in Happy Valley. It is not in the confines of the big house. Um, so this is one of the most challenging environments for visiting teams in college football. Michigan is certainly going to be tested. Penn State, they've been a top five power rated team for me all season. The Nittany Lions are currently number three in my relative scoring margin. That's the metric that Michigan is leading. And they have the number four defensive unit in the country. Penn State's only finished the season in the top four of my power ratings once since 1994. It was a number three finish back in 2017. So while this Michigan team has the potential to be, you know, the best Michigan team, the, the highest ranked Michigan team we've seen in a very long time, same thing with this Nittany Lions team. I mean, it's been, you know, nearly 30 years since we've seen a team that could potentially be this good. The question continues to be, and you both touched on it, can Drew Aller and the number 22 offense, that's where I have this Nittany Lion offensive unit ranked, can they score enough points to win? There's only been one other game this season in which Penn State did not have a big talent advantage. That was on the road at Ohio State, and the Nittany Lions could only muster one touchdown in that game, and it came very late in the fourth quarter, as you'll remember. I believe, guys, at some point, this narrative of James Franklin can't win the big games, I, I think it's going to flip on its head, just like it did for Jim Harbaugh back in 2021, and it hasn't flipped back since then. Could this be that inflection point here for James Franklin? Possibly. Will it be? I'm not sure. My numbers project Michigan to beat Penn State by only one. So, King, I'm with you. Michigan's the favorite here, but maybe not by the full Vegas spread. I'd be right there with you with Michigan to win, Penn State to cover on the Vegas line. It's a 53% chance that Michigan wins this game. A win for Michigan sets up the showdown. We know that. A win for Penn State. And my goodness, guys, everyone's going to be talking about that three-team uh, tie in the Big Ten East if Michigan's able to win at home against Ohio State in a couple weeks. I feel like I just talked a lot about that game. I'll keep it brief on the other ones, but man, that is such a fun game. I'm very excited for it. King, I'm coming to you next. This is a game that you asked for. It's one I'm very excited about. It is USC going on the road to Oregon to play the Ducks in Eugene, King. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, I, I, I had to do a little bit of deliberation this week in the game that I wanted to talk about. There were a handful of good ones. USC, obviously, with that big loss last weekend, really changed the narrative of their season, taking them out pretty much at this point, almost entirely out of the college football playoff race. But I'm take, I am want to talk about this game because I do think I see some value in USC this week as a 15-point underdog. And it, it sounds like there were some people out there, some college football analysts saying that Caleb Williams needs to hang it up, call it a college football season, go to the NFL draft. I think that's absolutely terrible advice for him. And from, from everything that my understanding is, is he's still going to be good to go. He's still going to play out the rest of this year for this USC Trojans team. And so getting 15-point underdog on the road at Oregon, yes, this defense is horrendous. Yes, we talked about the, uh, the factors of the season being pretty much over from the CFB standpoint. But this is still a very talented football team, specifically on the offensive end. Now, Alex Grinch, the USC D, D coordinator, has been fired of this as of this week. And my opinion on this game was is if Lincoln Riley still has the locker room and he still has the support of his players, I think that a coordinator change like this midseason in a lot of cases has the ability to boost morale. With how bad they were playing, how bad they were getting ripped, getting torched week in and week out, I feel like bringing in some, some, some new eyes, bring, making a change up to bring some sort of momentum or bring some sort of energy to this defense – this is an area where I think the USC defense is going to play maybe a little bit better than what we've seen thus far up until this season. Now, I'm hesitant on this. This is in Eugene. It's going to be a tough environment. Bo Nix and that offense are firing on all cylinders right now. They've got two legit wide receiver threats, a great offensive line, a run game. This USC run defense has been pretty bad, giving up 185 yards on the ground. So Oregon's going to score in this game. The thing is, is that I absolutely think USC, if they 
play to their ability is going to be able to keep up with Oregon in this one, right? The duck defense, they should probably get the title right now as being the best in the defense in the Pac-12. I think that front seven is much more physical than they have been in years past. They've been better against the run, but this is still Caleb Williams we're talking about. And this is still an excellent receiving core. They've got weapons across the board. And we look at this game a few weeks ago when Oregon played another good offense in Washington, Washington was still able to put up numbers. So I think the Caleb Williams factor in this one automatically makes me think that USC is going to be in this game. I don't necessarily know that they have enough to win on the road at Oregon, but getting 15 points in this one, I think I think USC is going to fight. I don't think this is going to be one that, that Oregon is just going to roll over them. I could be wrong on this. It's a late night game in Eugene. Again, some crazy things have happened there. That's a really tough environment, but I'm all over USC this week. I, I'm going to take them to cover the 15 points. King, I'm 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 kind of with you in that boat. Uh, this game's got a watchability score of eight point seven for me. It's it's a top five game of the week. I know it's lost some luster. I know it's not what we thought it might be in the preseason. It's still a really good football game, King, as you mentioned. You guys can we can make the case. I, I know I just sang Michigan's praises, and this is the best team in the country, and and they're number one in relative scoring margin. You can make the case that no team's been playing better this past month than Oregon. The Ducks are number two in my relative scoring margin. So now I've talked about my top three. Michigan was one. Uh, Ducks are two, and Penn State was number three in this. They're outscoring their opponents by 15.2 points per game more than you'd expect the average top 25 team to do against Oregon's schedule. The Ducks are number three in my power ratings for the second consecutive week. The offense is number one for the second straight week, and the defense is now up to a season best number 17. I'd, I'd be curious to see what Ed's adjusted numbers here are for these two units for, for, the, uh, for the Oregon team. Um, this defense, though, like I said, season best number 17, they're going to be tested this year or this week because this USC offense, for as much as we talk about the defensive struggles, this UFC offense, they are still number two for me in my unit rankings. They present the biggest uh, threat and biggest test to the Ducks D all season long based on my current numbers. Unfortunately for USC, that's really where the good news ends on this one in terms of what I'm looking at here. King, you talked about it. Alex Grinch is out. And I'll say I tweeted this out uh, when, I, when the news broke. After the final Washington t TD last week, the, the camera panned to Alex Grinch. And I swear to you could see it on his face. I turned to my wife and said, he looks like he knows he's getting fired. Like you could, it was just like on his face. Like it was just like, I've given up. Like this is it. it it's done. The time is here. I don't know why you could just see it. And it ended up the next day, of course, the news breaks. And that's that. Um, the defense is now a season worst number 85 in my unit rankings. I'm not sure that a D coordinator change with two games left is going to spark a huge turnaround in the final two weeks, but maybe it can inject a little bit of life into that side of the ball. We've seen that happen before. You know, you make a change at an important position or a coordinator spot. You can see, you know, a, a spark. I don't know if it's going to be massive, but is it going to give them a jump start in a game that they really need it going up this really going up against this really good Oregon uh, offense? So these two teams, number one, number two in offense um, on the defensive side here, USC, you know, number 85, Oregon, number 17, that difference, plus the fact that this game is in Eugene, that's going to be the difference for me in this one. USC is now down to a season low, number 17 in the power ratings. Um, you put all those factors together. King, I have Oregon minus 12 and a half. So again, Oregon to win, but USC to cover based on the Vegas line. It's just an 18% chance, guys, that USC avoids four losses in the last five games. Ed, you talked about, you know, would we be surprised at the beginning of the year if you said Michigan's 9-0 and coming into this game against Penn State? Absolutely not. Just like for USC, we talked in the in the preseason and all beginning half of the season, they're not gonna really going to be tested in their first six games. They're going to be 6-0 and going into the Notre Dame game, and that's when their season really gets going. 
there is no way I would have guessed that they'd be in a position where they could potentially lose four out of five here in the back half. I thought, you know, they'd lose two games over the course of the whole season. They've already lost three. Now they're a big underdog in this one. It's it's kind of crazy what's happened with the USC team this year, given the preseason expectations. An Oregon win in this one solidifies the Pac-12 championship game matchup, almost puts it in, in pen here, while a USC win certainly keeps the race open for that second spot in Las Vegas. Despite what people think, USC is still in this race, especially if they get the win here. So, Ed, what do you make of this big game in the Pac-12? This game is uh, probably the story of my worst and my best prediction this season. I did a podcast uh, the week after USC played Notre Dame and and actually praised the defense. The The USC defense was in the 30s in my adjusted success rate, and I made the point that like they weren't the problem against Notre Dame, man. It was the offense and, and Caleb Williams and turnovers and and uh, – they the USC defense was in the 30s and and you know by adjusted yards per play they were a lot worse but you know at that point in the season I I really advise like leaning towards success rate because it, it tends to get to the truth faster it doesn't have those explosive plays that tend to be random um obviously that didn't turn out so well and uh USC has been terrible but in the same episode I I actually made a pretty strong case for Oregon as the best team in the Pac-12 and the argument there was like well look I mean their their defensive numbers are amazing compared to what we expected. USC, Oregon, Washington all came into the season with some big time questions on the defensive side of the ball. Uh USC and Washington kind of relied on an, a lot of people coming back. Dan Lanning was like nope, I'm hitting the transfer portal brought in a lot of guys and brought in a lot of guys from some pretty big programs and they are significantly better on defense. Look, that didn't really kind of show up in that Washington game. Um, Washington was pretty good, Um, but their defense has been good. They're 20th in my adjusted success rate. We have seen uh, their offense has been great with Bo Nix and we've really seen them do really well over the last four weeks. They are actually ahead of Michigan. They're number one in my member numbers that I save for paying members of my site. I have this game exactly at 15. I I, I don't think there's any value here. Uh, I've been high on this Oregon team. That has probably been my best prediction of the season. So I I see them smacking USC around. I do like the Oregon defense. And uh, I think, you know, I think I think they win by two two touchdowns. Ed, what uh, if, if you have it and if you're comfortable saying it, my numbers right now have Oregon and Washington, if they were to rematch in a neutral site in the Pac-12 championship game, my numbers actually have that Oregon minus seven, which I know some people are like, no way, we already saw that game and Washington won. They did win and they're getting credit for that in my most deserving. That yep. game was in Seattle. Teams are playing a little bit differently now than they were then and not taking anything away from Washington. I'm stri- simply saying looking forward, my numbers have it as about Oregon minus seven. Are you in that ballpark if you're able to, to share? Yeah, no, I'm happy to share because I was actually kind of shocked at the answer. The the market has Oregon by six and a half, so you're you're pretty much on market. I have Oregon by nine and a half. My numbers really like Oregon. They're down on Washington. The way I do college football tends to be a little bit more reactive for how the last month has gone. Clearly, Oregon's been great. Washington has had their struggles. Nine and a half. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think next year I might put something out on, on my side about which team is, quote, playing best the last two, three weeks. Who's improved their power rating the most? Who's relative scoring margin? I, I've been referencing that a lot, and I realize I haven't been putting that out there in a list. So I'm, I'm thinking about doing that next year. This Oregon team may be an inspiration for that in 2024. 
Okay, guys, this is a game that I asked to be put on the slate here. I'm very excited about it. It's my number two game of the week in my watchability scores. Uh, it's the number nine Ole Miss Rebels going on the road to number two Georgia Bulldogs. It is hard to believe, guys, but these are two conference foes. Granted, they're in separate divisions, but they haven't played since 2016. They've only played five times since 2002. Like, that's kind of crazy, and I'm looking for – one of the few things that I'm looking forward to about the new realignments that we're going to see in conferences is – the um, updated scheduling models that we're going to have, the more eloquent scheduling models that are going to see conference foes play each other more frequently in many cases. Of course, you're losing a lot of the annuals, but you're, you're replacing those with seeing everybody more often. I think that's very good. I think conference teams should be playing each other more frequently than we've been seeing this matchup in particular. And I'm excited we're getting it this year because these are two really good teams. Georgia, for me, number seven in my power ratings. So that is a step down from where they've been in 2021 and 2022. There's no doubt about it. This is not the same Georgia team from a power rating standpoint, at least that we've seen so far this year, compared to the two previous years, which ended in national championships. But as I've said over and over, it doesn't matter if Georgia's better than the previous versions of itself. All that matters is if Georgia is better than the teams on its schedule this year. My numbers suggest that Georgia is just that, at least until potentially getting to Atlanta. This is a number five defense for me, the number six offense for me. Um, I just This is a really good football team, and they're not quote-unquote elite like they have been in recent years, but they're still right up there in that upper tier of college football because I'm not sure we have an elite team in college football this year, Michigan, and Oregon certainly trying to bust that mold here late in the year. Ole Miss, though, for me, they have a number six most deserving ranking. I'd have them actually ranked one spot ahead of Georgia in the resume rankings. They have a very impressive resume. Um, I've, I've talked recently about how I think the Rebels were one of the teams that was most underranked in the initial CFP Top 25 last week. I'll do that analysis again here in the coming days for this week's rankings as well. Um, but for me, as we look at predictive metrics, which is what we need to do to break down this game, Ole Miss started the year number 18. They've been ranked between number 11 and number 18 all year. They're currently number 15 for me. The offense, it's currently number 10. It's been very, very good all year between number 7 and number 17. So not a lot of variation here for this, uh, this Ole Miss team. The biggest cause for concern for me with Ole Miss, as it's been all year, is it has a good but not great defense. It's currently number 29. The only other time that this Ole Miss team team this Ole Miss defense went up against a top 20 offense on the road this season it was their only other loss of the year it was week four at Alabama so can this Ole Miss defense do enough to slow down the Georgia offense on the road because I have no doubt that this Ole Miss offense is good enough for as good as Georgia's defense is I think this Ole Miss offense can score points can the Ole Miss defense stop Georgia enough times to be competitive in this game? My numbers make it a little bit closer than Vegas. I have Georgia minus seven in this game. It's a 69% win expectancy uh, for Georgia. This game for me, guys, ranks number 12 on my list of games, uh, regular season games with the greatest watchability scores all year. I'm very excited for this one. Ed, what do you think here? It's a big time game in the SEC. And depending on how this game shakes out, we actually might know the SEC championship match after this week. For sure. I mean, Ole Miss has been particularly interesting at eight and one, have pretty bad loss to Bama. And then they've beaten all the other SEC West opponents, but they've all been one score games. So they're four and oh in, in one score games. And, and that is going to tend to regress to the mean of a 500 eventually. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, like Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, you know what they're going to do on offense and they're going to be able to move the ball. On defense, I actually have them 43rd in my adjusted success rate 
which isn't great, but it's better than they were last season. And that's been a big reason for, uh, you know, the success that they've had. You know, is it sustainable? We'll see. We talked about how Oregon brought in a bunch of transfers to, to fix their defense. A lot of players from some pretty big name programs. Lane Kiffin did the same thing. A lot of players from not as big programs uh, that kind of came in on the defensive side of the ball. Georgia's pretty interesting. They're just just not as good as they were last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, the offense has been, you know, getting better. I, I'm, i you know, I, I'm pretty close to you, Kelly. I got uh, Georgia by 8.3 in this game. Suggest some value on plus 10.5. I mean, I'm personally not interested in going against a Georgia team that I think could be hitting their stride and could be playing again like, the elite program that they are. Um, I was uh, pretty fortunate. I was I was on them against Kentucky because, I, I mean, I faded Kentucky basically for every game for a while there. So that that was pretty nice. Uh, that was a pretty nice win. Uh, I'd rather bet on Georgia because they are Georgia. I think that program history does matter. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get back to maybe not where, quite where they were last year, but a team that maybe we favor over any other team in college football by the time we get to the playoff. I could absolutely see that path. I always have a caveat in anything I'm writing or talking about where it's like this Georgia team, while they haven't been this year, what they were previously, they still have that in their arsenal. It's just a matter of when, if ever, will they get to that level and will all things start clicking? King, what do you think of this game? We've got Ole Miss going on the road to Georgia. Well, we talked last week, Kelly, about my inability to get on the right side of a Georgia football game. And so this previous weekend versus Missouri, I opted not to get on a side. I opted to take the over instead. And what do you know? That was another loss to the record this year. So the trend of losing on Georgia games continues. I'm not going to bet this one this weekend. That I can assure you. But I look at this Georgia team. This defense has passed the test now. On what you know, would we consider some very mediocre offenses within the SEC? The best offense that they have played thus far to date was this Missouri team last weekend. And although it was a little bit of a battle at the first half, maybe a little bit shaky, I think the argument can be made that there that they were able to really take control of the game in the second half. And I'll be honest, where I think we see a very similar game this week is to what we got last week. Now, Ole Miss has a little bit of a stronger offensive unit coming to Athens this week. I do think they have a little bit more firepower. Jackson Dart has been playing some really good football, and he has the skill position players around him to really challenge this Georgia secondary. We saw George get beat a few times last Saturday versus that Missouri offense, Luther Bird, and some of those skill position players. They had a few breakdowns, and Ole Miss absolutely has those guys on the outside that can do the same thing. Trey Harris, George Watkins, they've got a very talented receiving crew, not to mention Quinshawn Jenkins in the backfield. Georgia. One of the things that we talked about and looked at this season was their ability to generate pressure. And what they did last weekend, they did a very good job of that on Brady Cook. That had been a little bit of a weak spot for them. And this Ole Miss line does worry me a little bit. Have they proven they can be effective in the run game? Yes. Obviously, Jackson Dart, his ability, his run, his style of play makes it a little bit more challenging to pass protect. But I'm not so sure how good they really are. You look at that, that Bama game earlier this year and that good Bama front seven. They let up four sacks versus Bama in a good defensive front, I think Georgia should be able to get some pressure on Dart and the Rebels this weekend. So Ole Miss finally broke a streak last week of playing pretty incompetent offenses. They ended up in a shootout. Previously, the previous three weeks ahead of that, they played Arkansas, Auburn, and Vandy. They did win in that in that shootout versus LSU, but let up almost 50 points. 
ultimately the point I'm trying to make is here is I do not think this Ole Miss defense is still very good. Georgia has found ways to be effective this year, and I don't think this Rebels defense really throws, poses any serious threat of changing that this week. I think UGA is going to be able to be methodical. They're going to be able to pick and choose when they take their shots, and I think they control the line of scrimmage in this game. So Ole Miss is a better football team than I think Missouri was last weekend. There is a chance they could go into Athens and win this game, but I'm not really a big enough believer in this team as a whole yet to take down Georgia on the road. So give me the Bulldogs. Those are the games that we wanted to talk about the most, guys. As always, we asked our fans, what is the game that we haven't touched on already that you want to hear about? Well, they picked a good one. We're going back out to the Pac-12. We've got Utah going on the road to Washington, a Washington team that's still undefeated on the season, certainly in good position uh, currently to make the Pac-12 championship game and ultimately, potentially, the CFP. Ed, as we always do, we're going to let our guest break down the fans' choice uh, of the of the week first. What do you think here with Washington hosting Utah? I can't lie to you guys. I actually voted in that poll and uh, voted for this game. There we go. <laughs> All Love right. It. Well, we got we got a winner there for you, Ed. <laughs> I, I think this game is is particularly interesting. We talked a little bit about kind of Washington's decline over the last month. Um, you know, I mean, they're still not particularly good on the defensive side of the ball. For a long time this season, they were number one in offense and my justice success rate. They have actually dipped to fifth. Uh, pretty poor f- performance, I think, against Arizona State in in that game that they they just kind of squeaked by. Um, so you know, I, I think they have declined, and and I think Utah may be heading in the opposite direction. The defense has been good all year round. That that's kind of what we expected. Utah came into the season. Uh, with the expectation that Cam Rising was going to be the quarterback. And I, I actually had a Heisman future thinking that he would be, his knee would be fine for that first game against Florida. It didn't work out. He hasn't played at all. And it, you know, I think, I think the team has kind of evolved, you know, Bryson Barnes has taken over the, the quarterback position and, and I'm not sure he was ready to go, you know, kind of that first week, even though they got the win against Florida, we're starting to see some better performances from the offense, uh, you know, pretty decent 45% success rate against Arizona State, who has the 47th best defense. Pretty decent performance. Uh, not such a good performance against Oregon, but decent performance against USC uh, when they brought that safety to be the tailback. Uh, also over 50% success rate against Cal. I think there's an argument that they they might be a different team than what we expected at the beginning of the season. My numbers kind of reflect that. I mean, I have Washington winning by about five in this game. Uh, I actually kind of like Utah plus nine and a half in in this game. I I I, I think Washington wins, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if Utah can pull it off an upset here, and that that would actually really uh, change things up in the in the Pac-12 race. A Utah straight up win in this one would absolutely shake things up. Kinger, let's come to you first on this one. What do you think here? It's our fan pick of the week. Washington hosting Utah. I tend to lean Utah with the points in this one as well. And, you know, we talked about it with Bill last week on the show, Ed bringing it up. I mean, this Washington defense is something something we should start really keeping an eye on. They have definitely not performed as well as they did early in the season. Seems to really be degressing, regressing here as we enter the back third here of this season. But there is an opportunity for them to bounce back this week. We know that Utah is not known for being the most explosive team out there. They've really struggled versus the upper echelon of Pac-12 defenses this year. But Washington does not really fit into that category. And Utah is an efficient football team that uses their strong O-line, their physicality, the run game to really carry them. 
And it really is all about the run game for the Utah Utes. This is the third-ranked rushing offense in the Pac-12 at 192 yards per game. However, they have played two top five Pac-12 rush defenses in Oregon State and Oregon. Versus Oregon State, they only rushed for 49 total yards at 1.8 yards per carry. Versus Oregon, they only rushed for 99 yards at 2.8 yards per carry. They lost both of these games when they get off schedule and cannot run the ball the way that they want to. It really puts a lot of stress on this offense. And you look at this Washington defense, they've given up at least 110 yards on the ground to every opponent this year except for Michigan State. With an offensive line like Utah, I anticipate them being able to move the ball in this week. This one, especially coming off a weekend where this Utah or this Washington defense had to play a lot of snaps versus USC. I like this matchup for Utah. I like their ability to score in this game this week, especially because the UW secondary, it's not great. They don't have Cam Rising. It is the Bryson Barnes show now, so they are somewhat limited in the passing games. So he's going to have to step up, make some key third downs. But I think or I think Utah is going to be able to stay on schedule this week. And and you know the big question mark is is how is this Utes defense going to stack up this week? Washington passing offense. This is the number one ranked passing defense in the Pac-12 right now, only allowing 200 yards per game. But we can be honest here. I have a feeling that number is going to be significantly higher this week. That Utah D line has been very good at getting pressure. But this is a very good Washington offensive line. Penix is going to make plays in this one. He's been pretty good at taking the care of the ball this year. But I think that Utah secondary they're going have to step up and if they can find a way to create a turnover or two in this one they're going to be right in this one so I think Washington's still going to be able to score 30 in this one that over is a little bit intriguing to me laying the points is is more so where I think I would lean right now but I don't know if I trust this Washington run defense enough to really shut out Utah on this one I do think we're going to get a good football game but the Huskies are going to get it done at home so both of you are saying, you know, Washington probably gets the win outright, but take Utah and the points. I'd say maybe there is a chance Utah pulls it out. Like I'm with you guys on on all those fronts. My number's like Washington minus eight. So that would be Utah and the points, a little bit higher on Washington or lower on Utah, some combination than Ed's numbers currently. But I agree, Ed, with what you said about the trends of these teams. If we go back for Washington, following the game against Oregon, they were number eight in my power ratings. They have now fallen to number 13, but more importantly, their rating has fallen four full points the last few weeks here. So they've been downgraded, you know, more than a field goal based on the results that we've seen against Arizona State, Stanford, and, and most recently USC. The offense is still really good. It's a number four unit for me. They were number one for one week following the Arizona game, um, but they, they quickly slid back kind of into that more natural four spot for them where they've spent most of this year. The defense, though, has certainly regressed, and it's much better. And you talked about this. You know, we had question marks about some of these Pac-12 defenses coming into the year. I had questions about Washington's for sure. They came in number 50. They rose as high as number 23 going into their off week uh, before the Oregon game. They are now down to number 37. So we have seen some regression on the defensive side, as you both mentioned here in recent weeks for Washington. It's still been a fantastic year for Washington, though. They're they're number seven on my overachievers list with 2.4 more wins than projected through this point in the season uh, when I did my preseason realistic expectations in August. So really, really good season. They're favored in this game in each of their remaining ones. But this Utah team, as you both mentioned, they are getting better with the, the team that they have in place now. Of course, we expected Cam Rising in the beginning of the year. It didn't happen. As Ed talked about, the offense has looked worse than we expected because we haven't had Cam Rising. But this defense, I had them as the number one unit in the Pac-12 coming into the year. I had them number 22. They're now number 11 for me, and they are still the best defense in the Pac-12. I think that's going to be a fantastic strength-on-strength matchup with that Washington offense and this Utah defense. My numbers do lean Washington having the advantage on the other side um, with their defense against the Utah offense. Plus, this game's at home. We've seen what that home field means to this Washington team. 
throughout the course of this season and really throughout the course of college football history. That's one of the best home fields that's out there when the Washington team is really good and those fans are excited. So to me, Ed, I'll give it a 28% chance that Utah pulls off the upset in this one. If they do, you're absolutely right. You know, Utah, they hop back into this Pac-12 championship race here. And depending on what the Oregon-USC game shakes out as, it could get pretty muddied for that for those spots there in, in Las Vegas. A Washington win, though, locks it up for them in Las Vegas and really knocks the Utes out of it at that point. So should be a very good game. Excited for it. And, uh, yeah, these are two teams that are having good seasons. Washington's having a great season. And Utah, if you would have told Utah fans at the beginning of the year, hey, you're not going to have Cam Rising at all, would you take seven and two going into this game at Washington? Like, yeah. I think you would. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's been it's been a good year for for Utah, considering the fact they haven't had their their starting quarterback for the entire season. So, guys, those were our four feature games. I loved breaking those down. Ed, loved getting your insight on them, King. As always, it's good to hear what you're thinking. Let's get into our pick'em competition now. So, Ed, just to briefly summarize what we do here, we've got ten games on the slate as defined by the ESPN pick'em competition. What we're looking for here, Ed, is just who's the straight-up winner? No spreads. King and I find it hard enough to pick the winner straight up. So we're going to keep it straight up. And confidence points, 1 to 10. 1 is your least confident. 10 is your most confident. You use every number once. We'll start with you. We'll go to King. We'll come to me. I'll keep track on the scorecard here that we'll post later in the week. Our first game, it's a game we broke down. Ed, it's a game that we know you're interested in here. We've got Michigan going on the road to Penn State. What does the power rank think about this game? Who's your winner and how many confidence points? Yeah, I got Michigan winning here and I'll put eight points on it. Michigan for eight. You got it. Kinger, what about you? Yeah, it might be too little too late, Kelly, but I am coming on strong here to end the season. Got you two of the last three weeks. So we're going to keep – we switch up the formula just a little bit here and we're going to keep it going this week. Give me the Nittany Lions with one confidence point. You did get me two of the last three weeks. I knew last week. I forgot about a few weeks ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. King, I, I was going to say it. I, I totally forgot to mention it. How good did it feel for you, man? Uh, to be the down, champ last week? I'll, I'll admit. Taking down Bill Connolly and myself. Man, I wanted so badly to win last week. Uh, I was happy. I was happy I was able to, to score a few more points than SP+. Again, small sample size. Obviously, Bill Bill's the best at what he does. We know this. But, King saying suck it nerds uh coming in and taking the title that was well, awesome well, to, to take a beating like i have this season to, to at least get some momentum there i will say it put a little smile on my face coming out on top last week i thought it was awesome man i want it every week i really wanted it last week and you got it done you deserved it all right so i gotta break the tie here i'm gonna break it on ed's side i'm gonna take michigan but i'm gonna split the difference between the confidence points give me michigan with three confidence points in this one Ed, coming back to you, we're going to the Big 12. We've got Texas Tech. They're hitting the road to play the Kansas Jayhawks. Having a great year in Lawrence, by the way. Great, great year. I have over six and a half wins for Kansas. It's cashed already. Really pumped about that. Um, you know, I, I like Kansas here and, and pretty confident about it, too. I'll give it a nine. All right. You got that, Kinger. What about you? I'm on Kansas. Not quite as confident. Give me the Jayhawks for three. Okay, I'm going to join you guys on Kansas. Once again, I'll split the difference in confidence points. Give me Kansas for five confidence points in this one. That's a game of two teams having very different – Texas Tech getting a lot of love in the preseason as maybe a sleeper pick. Kansas, you know, was last year a fluke. Well, we've seen how it's turned out. What Leipold's doing is incredible. And I still think Texas Tech's a good team. They've had some bad luck this year, and I still think McGuire can get that thing turned around moving forward. Let's go to the ACC, uh, a game that probably doesn't have as much fanfare as some of these other ones, but we've got it on the slate. It's Virginia Tech at Boston College, Ed. Yeah, I'll take Virginia Tech here uh, and four confidence points. 
Kinger? I'm taking Boston College for four confidence points. All right, so I got to break the tie once more. I might Once again, I'm going to side with Ed, so King's loving that because he's going to make up some ground here if he gets them right. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech, but I am not confident in this game at all. I have it as a pick I actually have three or two pick games here. This is one that's closest to 50-50. Give me Virginia Tech for one confidence point. We're in the Big Ten, guys. We're all Big Ten fans here. We all root for Big Ten teams. Uh, I'm not sure how excited everyone is for this matchup, but we've got Rutgers, a good Rutgers team, a surprising Rutgers team going bowling this year against a CFP top 25 team. Say what you want. They, they only have a couple losses on the year. They're in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. It's Rutgers on the road at Iowa. Ed, what do you think? Yeah, this is. I'm going to tape this. So when I need to take a nap, I'll just put this game on. And <laughs> it'll help me like calm down so I can fall asleep. I'll take Iowa here. Six confidence points. Kinger? Yeah, I, you always hate when you have Iowa this high, but it Kinnick, Rutgers offense still doesn't do enough for me here, so give me the Hawkeyes for seven. I'll join you guys on Iowa, and I'll match Ed exactly. Give me Iowa for six. My guy Brett Gibbons informed me that this game opened at 28.5 of the over-under. Guys, I believe, based oh on what God. Brett told me, that is the that is the lowest opening over-under total of FBS versus FBS games. So we broke the record two weeks in a row because last yeah. week didn't, didn't Northwestern Iowa open at like 30 and a half, which was the previous yep. lower. So we just keep getting, we just keep shattering records here. And I think 28. the unders keep hitting, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. <laughs> 28 and a half is like one touchdown instant over kind of, and, and yeah, it's Iowa. It's And it's Iowa. You guys are absolutely right. It's just crazy what's going on there. And they're still leading the Big Ten West, as I said. Guys, this game is off the radar for most college football fans, but I'm telling you, it's got huge implications. I mean, this is essentially going to decide a spot in the Conference USA Championship game. It's my favorite leverage graphic I've ever put out um, this season. It is New Mexico State going on the road to Western Kentucky. The winner here is almost assuredly, if not assuredly, a spot in the Conference USA Championship game, taking on Liberty, who's already got their spot off the radar game. But what do we think here, Ed? New Mexico State at Western Kentucky. I'll take Western Kentucky uh, for seven. Kinger? Yeah, I'm really high on the Hilltoppers at home this week. Give me Western Kentucky for nine. You think you're high, Kinger? Give me Western Kentucky. I'll take them for 10 confidence points in this game. I have a tendency of missing my 10-pointers this year, and last year I pulled it, or last week I pulled a double, missed my 9 and my 10, so hopefully we can break that this week. We're going to the Sun Belt next, Texas State at Coastal Carolina, Ed. Uh, I got Texas State for three. Kinger? Yeah, my my heart tells me to take Texas State in this one with no Grace and McCall, but something about Coastal Carolina at home can't get me to do it, so I'm taking the Chanticleers for five. As I'll tell you what, Coastal Carolina has been good to me the last few weeks in terms of picking games, upsets, all that stuff. I'm riding Coastal Carolina. I think the market's still overcorrecting against them for no Grace and McCall. I'm taking Coastal Carolina. I'm taking it for nine confidence points, guys. Um, SEC East game. It's a big one. Not with SEC East championship game implications, most likely. Potentially still, but but most likely not. Tennessee at Missouri. Who do we think here, Ed? Yeah, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Um, I got Tennessee. I, I see it as a tight one, so two. Kinger? I will once again take the two confidence points, but I'm taking Missouri. All right. Tennessee is still in the mix for a spot in Atlanta. They need some things to go their way, though. Um, Georgia, the overwhelming favorite, as we know. I'll break the tie. I'll take Tennessee, and I'll take them for seven confidence points. King is licking his chops hearing these picks right now. He's either going to make a huge move, or, King, it will be over after this week based on these picks. 
Uh, another game. Yeah, yeah, we're coming down to the wire. Yep. Another game here in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. Man, they are in a great spot in the Big 12 now following their win in Bedlam last week. They're going on the road. What might be a tricky game? They're taking on UCF in the bounce house. Ed, what do you think? Yeah, I see this as a really tight game, so it gets one confidence point. I'll, t- I'll take UCF. Kinger? Oof, that scares me because I'm real high on the Cowboys this week. Hopefully no let down after the big Bedlam win, but give me OK State for eight. This is a 50-50 game for me, guys. I'm going on decimal points here. Uh, King, I'll side with you. I'll take it as a two uh, confidence points. Give me Oklahoma State for two. Here's a game we talked about in the featured section. It's Ole Miss at Georgia, Ed. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like Georgia here. I think this the spread's pretty big. The the market spread is indicative of why I want 10 points on this one. Kinger? I'll join Ed. 10 for Georgia. I'll join you guys on Georgia. I've already used my 10, as I pointed out, and my 9. So that means I've got Georgia for 8 in this one. Our final game of the Pick'em, we're going to the Mountain West here. We've got Fresno State hitting the road, taking on San Jose State. Ed, who do you like? I got San Jose State for 5. King? I got Fresno for six. I've got to break the tie here, King. I'll go with you and Fresno State, and I'll uh, go a little bit less confident than each of you. Give me the Bulldogs for four confidence points in this one. Guys, that wraps up the Pick'em competition segment. We've got just one remaining. It's going to be our best bets. King, as always, we'll come to you first, and then I think Ed's got something for us as well that I'm very excited to hear. So, Kelly, I've got a little side project here. I've got many side projects still on my list of things to be accomplished. But I'm I'm picking up on a trend here with my gambling. And that trend is basically every single weekend I get smoked in the noon or the early and afternoon slate. But I have been absolutely cleaning up on the night slate here these last three or four weeks. I really would like to look at those records. I'm probably hitting like 25%. In the early slates, I bet I'm hitting close to 70% in the night slate. So for all the listeners out there, that probably means fade me up until any games after 4 or 5 p.m. after I've had a few <laughs> cocktails and can really take a look at the board. But in all seriousness here, I am going to take USC plus 15 this week. Two other bets that I've already locked in. I like K-State on the bounce back at home this week, minus 20 and a half versus Baylor. I think that defense is going to completely shut down the Baylor Bears this weekend. I like Colorado getting 10 and a half at home versus Arizona. This Arizona team that been one that's been profitable this year. They've been very good, or I've been they've been very good to me thus far this year. That Colorado defense is not very good. Arizona's offense has been impressive, but I do think the Buffaloes have the ability to score with Arizona this week. I don't think that I think ten and a half is too much in that game. And we talked about it, Kelly. We're just going to go ahead and add it to the card now. I liked it. You said your numbers liked it by one. Give me the Nittany Lions plus four and a half this week. Those are the four we're starting with. Card to expand as always. For what it's worth, I looked quickly here as King was talking. My model would side with King on each of those given the current lines with Vegas. So for what it's worth, uh, the model's with you, King, on all those. Ed, coming to you, what do you have here? Anything you're willing to share? I know you've and, – and please, please plug your, your site, plug your offerings that you do, all of those things. Um, plug away here and any best bets you're willing to share with the listeners. I'm sure they'd love to hear it. Yeah, for sure. You know, King mentioned Colorado. Man, it, college football is better when they were winning, right? Yes. <laughs> not and college football is still awesome but it, it was it was fun when coach prime was winning and just and everyone the public was all betting on colorado that was great <laughs> uh so yeah my best bet is is michigan at penn state over 45 and a half definitely made the case uh earlier i i just don't trust this michigan defense as much because of their schedule 
Uh, they have a lot to prove to me. I, I do see, uh, I, I mean, I, I see Penn State's offense is a very high variance offense. Um, and so I, I, I think there are going to be a lot of points there. And I believe in Michigan's offense. I think they've, they've proven that. Um, so, yeah, my best bet is going to be over 45 and a half in the biggest game of the weekend. It is the biggest game of the weekend. People love points. I'm sure they'd be thrilled if that game went over. It's going to be a really close one. I'm excited for it. Ed, this has been great having you on. Please uh, take a second here. Of course, they can find you on on X, Twitter, at The Power Rank. You've got the website um, going as well. You've got the podcast. Talk about that as well. Just, just plug everything you want to plug because I have a feeling that after listening to this episode, our listeners are going to want to get more content from you. Yeah, thanks so much, guys, for having me on. I think the best place to kind of start with my content is my free email newsletter. You can check that out at thepowerrank.com. I mentioned Five Nuggets Saturday. Uh, it's my curated list of sports betting tips and analytics, and I always try to end with a little bit of humor. Basically, if you're looking for the action on any given weekend, like that's the free service that I'm trying to provide that will give you that action. I talk about some props. I usually cap that myself. Uh, I curate bets from other people. So check that out at thepowerrank.com. Uh, I sustain my business through memberships on my site. I would suggest checking it out for free in the newsletter, but that, that would be the next step. I, I will only mention here that all the numbers that I've talked about on those show, those are usually saved for paying members of my site. I also have a podcast, Football Analytics Show. I usually do an interview or a solo episode every week. Uh, check that out anywhere that you get your podcasts. Well, Ed, thank you for joining us. And thank you for sharing kind of a, a behind-the-scenes look at the things that you typically reserve for your paying members. We really appreciate that taste. I'm sure our listeners will, too. Guys, please do yourself a favor. Give Ed a follow on social media at The Power Rank. Give, his, give him a subscription with the free newsletter. And after you've checked that out for a little bit and you see how great his work is, uh, consider paying for that subscription and getting the behind-the-scenes look at all the great work that he's putting out in the college basketball space, the college football space, the NFL space. He's in there in all those. I think, Ed, I, if I remember correctly, I've seen you do some soccer things, too. I've, I've lost a little bit of touch with the Premier League this year as my squad's been relegated. Don't worry, we're coming straight back up, uh, knock on wood. But I, I've lost a little touch there, but you're in soccer as well. I mean, Ed's all over the place, guys, trying to trying to get you what you need with your with your betting fix, and uh, he's got really good numbers that are backed with data, science, and that Harvard PhD, which he's almost too humble to not mention, as King talked about earlier. Guys, I'll be honest, that reference was lost on me, so King, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, I appreciate getting into the loop on that one. Ed, we appreciate you. This was a great episode. Really had a lot of fun. Uh, good luck to your team this week. Good luck to your bets and to everyone out there. Enjoy week 11 of the 2023 college football season. Until next time, this has been the We Hate Your Team podcast, a proud member of the VSN Collegiate Network.